step in and it's an honor to be able to to speak to you this morning and isn't it great to have David and Christy here with us serving the church and preaching and, and just being a part of this great work that the Lord is blessing us with um, I know that it's a blessing also to have the family in town Noah uh, you can be seated, Noah. You, oh, you're still, I thought you were still standing. <laughs> that guy's tall, man. Hey, Noah, you know, he's not, he says he's not growing anymore, but I don't believe him sometimes. And Sophie, you're a blessing. Noah, you married way over your head, didn't you? It's good to have Noah and Sophie, and thank you both for serving our country and serving us. It's a real blessing. Thank you. Yes. God bless you in your service, in the services. Jim, it's good to have you with us. Jim Glover. It's so good to have them with us, isn't it? And to have them here. Uh, we're so blessed to have David and Christy and Aiden. And it's, it's a real blessing to have them here. Uh, we can't count the many blessings that they brought to us. Uh, and I was thinking about, you know, what's going on in the world and the struggles that people have at this time. And our struggles are real. And as we think about what we're dealing with in this country, we're, we're blessed to be able to minister to people, not just people in Florida that are suffering through the hurricane and the destruction and everything that's happened there, but also being able to provide wells, water wells, and clean water for people in the world. Thank you, Matt Perry. Where's Matt Perry back there? Uh, thank you, Matt. There he is. Thank you, Matt, for leading us in that great ministry. What a blessing that is. And uh, just to be able to, to take part in that. And we've almost raised 5000 I would think it's probably going to be above. Don't we have it to the end of the month, Matt? Yep. Yes, to the end of the month. So let's try to get that 5000 mark. What a great opportunity for the Lord to be able to partake in the, in the walk for water. And, and I also want to... Uh, to ask you to pray for something very precious to my heart. It's called the Life Chain. Have any of you ever heard the Life Chain by the Right to Life? Good. Some of you here have done that, haven't you? Raise your hand if you stood out here on Fort Street with the signs. Good. Uh, the Life Chains are very important. The first Sunday of every October uh, because we're trying to fight the fight against abortion in our country. And some of you have stood out here with the signs, and, and uh, today we're going to join in with the Flat Rock Church of Christ on Telegraph and Turn River Drive, the Remax. We're going to be out in front of the Remax real estate office and joining with the Flat Rock Church of Christ to just stand there with your sign that says, pray for the babies in America, and pray while you're standing there. Uh, we need to let this world know that what we stand for is life not killing babies. And that's why this lesson this morning is, is called A Womb of the View because there are people in our world that just don't know what abortion is, and even Christians. Um, in the first year I was here, I was in the, having a meeting in the morning at the Lincoln Park Church of Christ with other ministers. And if you need an outline for this lesson, raise your hand because they're walking around passing out outlines on this sermon. It was in the back, but some of you didn't pick it up when you were coming in. Uh, I was having a meeting with the other ministers in the basement on a Wednesday afternoon, and 
somebody came in and said, it's snowing so bad, Russ. Are we going to have Bible study tonight? And I said, listen, I was raised in the north. I know what snow is. I think it was a deacon, and you don't listen to deacons anyway. You know. I'm, I apologize, because that was just, that was crass. Uh, but I thought, you know, we know what snow is. We know how to get around. And so I got done with the meeting about an hour and a half later, and I walk upstairs. I look outside the window. We got six inches in the parking lot. I thought, oh, wow, I didn't know. It, it was really coming down. It was blustery. It was a wind-blown parking lot, and the snow was deep. And I thought, oh, boy, I should have looked out there before I dismissed that deacon. Um, and so I apologized to him, and I, we also, I think we canceled Bible study that night. It was so bad. But you know what? I, I look at this issue of abortion, and I think in many ways that there are reactions to abortion that we forget about. You know, doesn't that baby look beautiful in that picture? I mean, babies in the wombs are so cute. And at nine weeks, they're able to grasp and fold their fingers together. And, and at 12 weeks, uh, babies in the, in the womb are able to suck their thumbs. And I think about that issue, and I think of the words that Randy read to us this morning from Psalm 139, and it just breaks my heart that we're taking the lives of these babies in the womb. You know, when Heather was in Fran's stomach, we never called her a fetus. Fran would say, the baby's moving. She never said, the fetus is moving. It's a baby. It's not a fetus. It's not a zygote. It's a, it's a baby. And women don't call those things in their stomachs fetuses. They call them babies. But we've gotten to the point where we're saying, you know what? It's really not a human. It's just a fetus. We can take it out of the womb, let it die. That's not what God says. That's the world's opinion, but it's not God's opinion. So we have to remember what God is thinking about. Now, that story about the reaction that I had to the snow, uh, I tell you, I think that's why when we look at babies in the womb, we, we don't understand. You know, this is a picture of a baby after mommy's eaten some kale. You know, can you see that? If you look on that screen back there, you can see it better. Uh, that baby's frowning. Who eats kale? Some people do. I, oh, there's a person. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, uh, feed it to the, I don't even think the cows would eat it. But, but some people like kale. Um, but that's, what, that's the reaction of a baby in the womb. And he's making a reaction against that nasty taste that mom just put in her mouth. Uh, but they do feel, they taste, they, they know what's going on, and they move around. Just uh, ask a mom if, if that baby's moving around, you'll find it's true. Well, after my reaction to that snowstorm, uh, I think about what we can't see in the womb. Now, this is my grandson when he was two years old, and... Uh, he wasn't that cute in the womb, but boy, did he get cuter after he was born. And I can't imagine. I'm so grateful that Heather did not empty out her womb that way. What a blessing he is. What a blessing 
I look around the room, and Jerry, aren't you glad you have three babies? Oh, I'm telling you, we have so many cute babies in this church, don't we? Just, just love seeing them run around. What a blessing that is. Well, there's two explanations of my reaction to that snowstorm. And when we look at it, we can see why I made that decision. We can have Bible study. I've had a little bit of snow. But the problem is I'm a thick-headed cheesehead. I didn't understand what was going on outside the building. And the second reason is because I was in a room with no windows. And I think that's one of our problems. We can't see into the womb unless it's an ultrasound. We don't know what's going on inside of that. And we, we are just immune to the fact that those are little babies. And we're grateful for you moms that were able to allow those babies to come into our lives. Um, I'll tell you, I, I'll never forget the sound. One morning in 1988, I was in, working my first church in Ohio, and I was walking from my office to the kitchen area to get some coffee one morning. I'm studying my sermon, and I heard someone crying as I walked into the kitchen. One of our members, Nancy, was on the floor in the kitchen crying. She was sobbing and weeping and crying. And, and I said, Nancy, what's wrong? And she couldn't say anything. She was crying so hard. And I went over and I sat down on the floor next to her. That's what Job's friends did, right? They just sat next to him for a week. I didn't know what to say. She wouldn't answer. So I just sat there for a long time. Nancy kept crying and weeping and sobbing. And uh, when she was able to talk, she told me, 15 years ago, her husband was in the army in Germany, and they, she had become pregnant, and they decided not to keep the baby. And she was weeping for that baby. Now, Nancy already had had two more children, Keith and his sister, they're precious kids. But she couldn't get over that abortion 15 years earlier. I tell you, I've seen damage to people who've had abortions. It's not good. They never get over it. Mark my word, they never get over it. It's dangerous. It's horrific. In 1973, the Supreme Court passed a law making it legal to have an abortion. 1973, Roe versus Wade. That's almost 50 years we've been killing babies in the womb. Father, forgive us. We're sinners. Praise the Lord. This past year, our Supreme Court said it's not going to be legal. We're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? So glad. The problem is they've turned it over to the, the states. And one month from today, there's going to be an issue on our ballot. Proposition 3, asking us to overturn the Supreme Court decision so we can legally abort babies again. It's frightening. It's a frightening time for our country. 
This is D-Day. And sadly, we don't, I don't think we see outside because we don't have a window. I don't think we understand the issue here. Do you know what it's like to murder 60 million babies? Do you know what that's like? I, I can't even imagine that. That's what we've done over the last 50 years in this country. And it's going to go on if we don't stop it. And we have, a, we have an opportunity. Uh, I, it's scary to me that each and every day, did you know today 2,700 babies will be taken from the womb in this country? Today, October 2nd. Today. In fact, during this worship service, 200 babies will die. Now that, that frightens me. I can understand that. We have to be ashamed of ourselves. What really scares me, what really angers me, is I've been paying taxes for 50 years and I've been helping pay for those abortions. That's what angers me. I think one of the thing, another thing that angers me is some of the greatest and wealthiest people in our country are supporting Planned Parenthood. They don't call it abortion, they call it a Planned Parenthood. That's a nice little uh, uh, phrase that they call it. Uh, George Saris, Bill Gates, two of the greatest billionaires in our country are the biggest contributors to Planned Parenthood. Can you imagine? Father, forgive us as sinners. Father, we need you to forgive us because this has been happening in this country for the last 50 years. We want you to know, Father, that we're not a part of this, never wanted to be a part of this, and we ask your forgiveness for allowing this to happen. Father, we're praying for this. We're praying that you will, you will conflict and mix up Gates and Sarah so they, their, their wealth won't be spread to this horrible, horrible work called Planned Parenthood. Father, help us to stand up against this and understand how dangerous it is. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Secondly, I think I understand as I look at this, I suspect that some of us today have a similar response to the topic of abortion. We don't see it, so it doesn't register. Um, I, there, one of our members at the Parkside Church of Christ was having a baby, twins, at Oakwood Hospital. Uh, this was 20-some years ago. And uh, we were there that night because the twins were in danger. They weren't breathing right, so they called the minister to the hospital. And so I went to the hospital, and, and we were praying with the mom and dad and the family and, and the, for the babies. And during that time, I got to know two of the nurses that were working with that, those twins. And I got a Bible study with them. And Phyllis, one of the, Phyllis Henning, one of the nurses, uh, came to me the next year and said, Russ, I'm going to stop assisting in abortions at Oakwood Hospital. I can't do it anymore. She didn't understand what she was doing at the time. She didn't understand what she was uh, partaking in at the hospital. It's going on every day, every hour in our nation. And we have to be a part of those that would stop it, stop those 60 million babies dying and 2,700 every day and 200 every hour. We have to stop it and realize these aren't fetuses, they're babies. Do you know what David said? 
as we look at that, I know you'll see what he's saying in, in Psalm 139 when he says this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. Isn't that beautiful? David understood that those babies are babies, are humans. God made us. He knew us in the womb. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Nobody else. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. He understood what happens in the womb. God lovingly created, did you just notice the you here in verse 13? It's emphatic in the, in the Hebrew. You created. You created. Nothing else. But you did it, God. And he understood that. And he wanted us to know that. Verses 1 through 6 in Psalm 139, God is omniscient. David's saying, you're all over the place. You know everything. You know the past, the present, the future. You're real and potential. And he knows us all the time. Verses 7 through 12, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's present every place all the time. And then verses 13 through 16, God is omnificient. Now that's another word, and it's a real word, a Hebrew word meaning unlimited in creative power. God created us. Nobody else. God created us. And David knew that. He's emphatic. God lovingly created us. And he wanted us to know that. And I, I'm so glad it's in Psalm 139, aren't you? But because God is the creator, he's the owner of the preborn. They belong to him. They, they need to be a part of that. We can't see into the womb, so we're, we're kind of looking away from it, not understanding it. Uh, there's a, a new uh, uh, work out there called the preborn, and you can contribute to that charity. And what they do is they provide a free ultrasound of a mom's womb because women are less likely to allow an abortion if they see the baby in their womb. And so they're providing free ultrasounds to women that have babies in their womb. Thank goodness somebody's providing a window into the womb. He's the owner of the preborn. He made us. We belong to him. I want you to notice how David uses personal pronouns in this verse. My inmost beings knit me together in my mother's womb. He was there and God made it. Now, David believed, King David, that he was a real person long before he was born. And it's amazing to me. Do you know why people in our country don't know that we're humans in the womb? Because they don't know the Bible. They're biblically illiterate. They don't understand what God says about the womb. And I remember five years ago, we were out on Fort Street holding signs up and praying for the unborn in our country. And a man drove up in a car and rolled down his window and wanted to talk to me. 
And he said, I feel that we need to have abortion in our country. And he wasn't angry. He was upset, but he wasn't angry. He said, we need to have abortions in our country. We need it because we have a lot of children having babies. A lot of teenagers that shouldn't have babies. They're having babies. We shouldn't allow that in our country. He said, we have a lot of 13 and 14 and 15 and 16-year-old women, girls, little teenagers having babies. Now, what would you say to that? I, I, I finally said to him when he was done talking at length about that, I said, so you're saying that Mary and Joseph, Mary being about 14 years of age, that she should have aborted Jesus. Is that what you're saying? And he said, oh, I didn't know that Mary was that young. Well, yeah. Mary, thank, thank the Lord. Aren't you glad that Mary didn't abort Jesus? I am. He didn't understand. You know, children are having children. Of course they are. We didn't have our daughter Heather till we were 25, but we were still kids. <laughs> we thought we were so smart, but we were stupid. You're, you're a kid, you know? You think you know everything, but you don't. Children having babies shouldn't be allowed to take the baby's life just because they're young. And so his idea was foreign to what the Bible would say. How precious the preborn are to God. So here we look at what David did. King David thinks about all this. It's no wonder he breaks out in praise. He praises the Lord in the rest of Psalm 139. He says, because of that, I'm wonderful because of what you did. I'm distinct. I'm separate. I love how immensely personal that language is. He says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well, David said. You see how he's praising God? He's taking that opportunity to praise the Lord who made him. The United States is not united. We're divided on abortion. We're divided. This country doesn't know enough about God to realize how he disdains abortion. And so we have to let people know what it's about. You know, we're here talking today for humans that can't speak for themselves. These babies can't talk. They're moving. They're making all kinds of moves. They feel pain. They feel the taste of the mom's digestive system. But they are not able to speak. So we're here to speak for them. Now, there's a lot of opinions on abortion, but only God's opinion counts, right? Everybody shake your head. His opinion trumps our opinion. It's more important what he says and what we say or what somebody else says. And it's, it's a shame that people don't know God's opinion matters on this. Now, God doesn't care about your career. God doesn't care about your salary. God doesn't care about your savings. God doesn't care about your taxes. God doesn't care about your finances. God doesn't care about gas prices. God doesn't care about politics or who you vote for. God doesn't care about housing prices. He cares about dying babies. So when you walk in to that voting booth, don't vote for something because you're going to be advanced financially. You vote for somebody because of the issue of for or against or overturning the Supreme Court's issue 
on abortion. That's what God cares about. In 1973, the Supreme Court made abortion legal and overturned that decision earlier this year. Planned Parenthood is presenting Proposition 3 to be voted on one month from today. What are we going to do about it, church? God would tell us what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to vote. I'm not going to tell you what, what little circle to, to put that pencil on. But I am going to tell you that God expects you, when you walk into that booth, to walk in there with your values, your biblical values. You know, the last thing I want us to do is, I want you to know there's something we can do. Not just to vote on Proposition 3 next month, but we need to teach our children about abortion. We need to teach our grandchildren about abortion. Now, I'm not telling you to set a three-year-old down and tell them about this, but when they get older, when they're a teenager, they need to hear what you think about it. They need to hear your views on it because how you think about issues are going to be the way they think about them, usually. And we need to let that be known to our children and our grandchildren. So just don't vote in the booth against abortion, but vote in your family. Let your family know what you think and how you're voting. Did you know in, way back in the 1960s when I was a kid, I knew who my parents were voting for. I knew it. We shared it at the dinner table. We talked about it. And I don't think we should stop talking about it. This is a very important issue for us to be praying about it. So don't just vote in the voting booth against this issue, but also let your children and your grandchildren know how you feel about it. That's enough ranting and raving this morning. I want to lift this to the Lord right now. Let's, let's bow together in prayer. Father, I ask you to bless us as a nation, as a church, to realize teachable moments with our children and our grandchildren. Father, I pray that we'll be active in, in sharing with our children how we feel about how we read in your scripture and how you feel about this issue. Father, we know Leviticus 20 tells us that we shouldn't take the life of a baby. And that's why you let the Israelites go into slavery. And we're grateful for that lesson. But Father, even more than that, we praise you for giving us life and forming us in the womb. We're thankful for babies and what we have in this congregation. We ask that we will, we will always righteously guard and protect our children. Father, we're asking you to continue to allow us to pray about this issue because we know it's causing so much concern in our country. Father, we're asking you that you will bless us as we walk into the voting booth to vote our values, to know what we're voting on, and, and to know what your scripture says about this. Father, we're asking you to confuse the people that are contributing so hugely to Planned Parenthood, including Bill Gates and George Saras. We ask you'll, you'll confuse them as billionaires so they won't continue to, to contribute to this ungodly cause. Father, we're asking you to be a part of our decisions when we protect babies. Father, we're, we're mindful of the fact that you know what you're doing. And Father, we, we realize 
that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and last. He's above all things. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. Jesus is the light of every darkness. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of all, every good and every perfect gift. We can trust him, Father. We know that there's no God before him and there'll be no God after him. Jesus is the first. Jesus is the last. Jesus is the preeminent. Jesus, we know he, there are no other gods, no other lords but Jesus. And we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you know what I said to Nancy on the, uh, on the floor of the kitchen in that church building? When she stopped crying and sobbing to where I could communicate with her, I, uh, I said, Nancy, that was a decision you made 15 years ago. And as much as I can recommend, Recollect, I believe you were baptized, weren't you, Nancy? She said, yeah. So we read 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. God forgives us all our sins. Nancy, abortion is not the unforgivable sin. You can be forgiven of anybody. There might be someone here this morning who has had an abortion. God can forgive that. But we know you have to repent and confess and be baptized to have all your sins washed away. Isn't that a great thought, to have all your sins washed away? Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to do that, we ask you to come forward right now. Let's stand together and sing. Altos. Love one.